0: Hey now, and welcome to the Elevate Yourself Podcast. I'm Rob, and I am thrilled to get to be the host of this show. I feel super lucky. I work for this awesome company called Elevation Corporate Health, and in each episode of the Elevation Corporate Health Podcast, I get to have a conversation with folks from all different walks of life about how they elevate themselves. It's my hope that these conversations will make you think, force you to change your best, And as a result, help you get a little closer to becoming the best version of you. Well, in this episode, I am excited, honored, and thrilled to get to welcome uh, a dear friend, Eric Cardona. Uh, Eric Cardona is someone I've wanted to have on the show since the show began. Um, He is a writer. He's written for screen, for stage, uh, for television, and he directs commercials and he was also a contestant on Survivor. He did quite well and was quite memorable. Um, we've linked to it in the show notes. But if you've not seen Prince of Eric on Survivor, um, you will very much want to after this conversation because the same passion he brings to the conversation is the same passion he had when he was on the island. Um, I mentioned Eric's passion. Um, there are a few choice words in this conversation, um, so if you are. Um, In church, perhaps cover your ears, but I I do hope that the the passion comes through and does not detract from the conversation for you. So without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Eric Cardone. Eric, welcome to the Elevate Yourself podcast. Thanks so much for doing this, man.
1: Uh, no problem, Rob Harden. You are one of my besties, and uh, that goes today, tomorrow, anytime, brother.
0: Thanks, man. I, I appreciate that. You know, I've been doing this show for about 18 months now, and um, ever since I started, you were somebody that I wanted to have on um, for a whole host of reasons. Um, one of them being, which we'll get into is your ability to survive any circumstance. And I feel like the pandemic's taught us a lot. So I definitely want to get your, your, uh, armchair take on all of that. Um, but, uh, the first question I'm going to ask you, and this question I ask all the guests and it's taken from a, a guy, we, we both have a, a fondness for, uh, coach PJ Fleck. Um, he asked his recruits, the first thing he says is start at birth and go. So uh, Eric Cardona started birth and go.
1: Oh my! Well, uh, I feel like I came out of the womb rowing the boat, so uh, you know <laughs> I can identify with that. Uh, yeah, you know, well that's funny because I kind of have a an equal but opposite take to that in the sense that like the minute you're born, you're you're dying. You know th- that that's that's just what it is. A- any object really, like a flower or whatever, it doesn't get younger, right? And and yeah, we're gonna have like curvature to our lifespan and and arcs and things like that but every day you're on this planet you are closer to you know death uh so if that's the case then yeah it, it really is you're you're born and then you go uh, and you just keep going and you see how much you can get out of it I, I I guess uh where it gets tricky is how you start defining what that means to what you get out of it you know is it uh you know success is it Fame, financial stuff, survival—you know what? What dictates uh, accomplishments, or do you just say, uh, you know, to hell with it, and you're just going to be an existentialist and just say, well, dust to dust, baby, <laughs> came from nothing, end up in nothing. Which, not to go off on a tangent, but that is very uh, disrespectful to the. The sheer mathematical anomaly that it took for us all to be here right <laughs> we, are, we are the greatest miracle you know in potentially all the universe or many of them and it's a pretty big wide open spot uh, not to mention all the other uh, aspects let's just start at the at the top of the food chain with humans like we don't all make it, uh, in the reproductive thing. Right. So, I mean, like there's only one little guy that gets through and then bang, you know, uh, and that takes a miracle and then it has to form and create. So the fact that you are breathing today, you are a living, breathing miracle. And, uh, to not like take stock of that is really, I mean, it's up to you, but it's disrespectful to the miracle. (laughs) That might be the best Jesus That's, came out of the Bible and said, "I'm not even finished." Imagine if Jesus came out of the Bible. If you if, if you're a Bible believing person, and he, you know he makes this, uh, turns water into wine, and you're like, eh, hey, "I'm not thirsty." <laughs> like, what are you talking? Right, about? Right. Fucking miracle! <laughs> you're right,
0: right, 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 right. That, where did, right. Drink right, the right, wine. Right. Drink just drink it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's a. It's a good point, and and this is the best answer I've ever gotten from anybody. Um. <laughs> Uh, so which I think we're going to get into in a second with your writing. So, um, every day is a gift. We are a miracle. Um, you attack each day, um, with a, with a vigor. Um, there's no doubt about it. Um, I've seen it firsthand. Um, I guess kind of take us back to, uh, I'd love to hear a little bit about like college, uh, your lacrosse days, high school football, and then how, where that all led to you sitting here today.
1: Yeah, I just, I always kind of had a strange chip on my shoulder. I'm not really sure what it was. I I, I kind of had somewhat of a broken family and I was uh, always kind of like being bounced around to like, ah, can you watch him? Can you watch him? Can you watch him? And it was just kind of me either at family or friends or neighbors or sports teams or whatever, but at, you know, little, right. And uh, I just, I felt like I always had to uh, uh, either prove myself or, just kind of uh fight a little bit harder than the person next to me and and I didn't really understand why at the time but it just I I, in fact I didn't understand why they weren't trying harder you know even in school they'd say like your homework is write three paragraphs you know and I'd write three pages and no one else would do that and I I would assume that everybody was doing that because I would think that it would take that long to answer the question but it just felt like everybody was taking shortcuts and the thing is it wasn't that i wasn't taking a shortcut i didn't even know shortcuts existed (laughs) i didn't know that was an option i didn't even know it was an option and i think like as i've gone older um and i recognize that there certainly are shortcuts and there are certainly other people that take shortcuts i think the the real discipline is is choosing not to take those shortcuts um and it takes uh it takes a lot of time, it takes a lot of discipline, um, it takes a lot of strength, you know. And these are all things that we don't have all the time. Uh we have them in spurts, you know, and, and we, we we hope that they will stick around long enough. Uh, we also have uh humanistic qualities like temptations and uh jealousy and uh spite, you know, stuff like that. So when you see someone take a shortcut and they get rewarded for it, you're like, you know, it makes it a little bit harder to to, to to, to stay on your course. Um, but you know, to each their own and, you know, growing up that way, I think having that sort of chip on my shoulder doing it, I, I was, I was never like the best athlete, but almost every, (laughs) almost every team I was on, I had a coach say this from about 15. Well, no, probably like little league. So probably like 12 to 22, probably last year I played anything competitively. Uh, you know, you're not the best athlete, but I swear to God, if we had 11 of you on this team, if we had five of you on this team, if we had nine of you, whatever the sport was, right? Like we had 11 of you on this team, we wouldn't lose, we wouldn't lose a game. (laughs) And they're right. They were right. Uh, You know, and what I, I think the lacrosse one's a really good point because all this like mentality was coming from a small town cow town where the cows outnumbered the, the the people and there was always this sort of like pittsburgh like you know it, it was chino out here in california but it was like this dairy where farmers we work with our hands like rough and tough stuff you know and so when i went uh and and i remember my high school football coaches anytime we could play a team that came from a, like a richer neighborhood he would just tell us uh, men you know when they drive their cars in the parking lot, they drive Porsches, they drive BMW. I'm like, what does this have to do with the game plan? But, like, but you're like, yeah, I hate them, you know. So, you got this thing. So, then I end up getting this scholarship to go to Pepperdine, which is like the most posh, like, beautiful, rich, like, whitewashed, like, of, you know, it's Malibu, right? And, uh, not to say anything bad about it, it's I love Malibu, it's a special place in my heart, um, but. I'm on this lacrosse team and we can't win a game and we got tons of talent. The first lacrosse game I ever saw was the first lacrosse game I played it. So I literally had no idea. I just saw a paper on the wall. It was like, join the lacrosse team. And I went to tryouts and I rushed some people up in the coach, like didn't move. I was on a team, but everybody else had talent because they had flown in from all over the country. And, you know, guys from like, that had played over like, in hopkins and yeah. syracuse and shit like that so they come over and i'm like all right look i'll do the dirty work you guys go out there and we're getting our our uh our butts handed to us because we were soft they were soft you know and uh so i would uh i i, I was patient for a while and then i just started lighting them up at practice <laughs> i'll tell you one quick story because uh uh I didn't understand the balance between finances and the importance of that. One time, George Foreman's son, George, he has 10 of them, right? Yeah, right. They're all named George. (laughs) All named George. George Foreman, junior, 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 whatever, is coming to school and he wants to play lacrosse. Wow. So my coach is like, this is incredible. We're finally going to get the the fundraising and we're going to be able to this, 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 this. Well, he's coming around and scoring on our defense you know, at practice at will. And nobody's touching him. Nobody's stopping him. And he's dancing around. And we can't even tell what kind of skill set he has or what moxie has. So I said, if this guy comes around through the middle again, he's not going to see that ball go through the net. I'm going to put him on his ass. And I lit him up. I knocked out George Foreman Jr. Jr. <laughs> and I'm like, that's how, it's, that's how you do it to my defense, right? I didn't really care about it. And, you know, he gets up. He takes his helmet off. He walks off the field. Drops the stick. Never saw him again. My coach wanted to disown me. He wanted to kick me off the team. Wow. <laughs> I was like, I was teaching him a life lesson. <laughs> My coach was right. like, an idiot.
0: Right? Yeah. You just you just blew our uh, Foreman Grill sponsorship for the uh, for the, our nutrition department. <laughs>
1: But he was soft. And, right. you know, like, what are we doing here? Are, are Do we want more money for our lacrosse team or do we want to get better? Do we want to become more, you know, uh, do we want to dig deeper? Do we want to be tougher? Do we want to be competitive? You know, like he was not going to help us, but I get it. That's, yeah. That kind of thing has been a microcosm with uh, the balance, a microcosm event of my entire life sort of life struggle is trying to fit in and, and and belong to a world that sort of like wants to take the easy route.
0: Like people right. don't,
1: people don't almost, unless you're watching like a Rocky movie, people don't really, they say they respect the hard choices and the, the person that works, the, the does the hard thing, but they don't really like it or they don't, they're not about it. So who do you yeah. fit in with, you know? Yeah. It's a little lonely. And then if you don't like being lonely, then you start compromising who you are. You know, I don't ever want to be the guy that doesn't knock out George Foreman and just lets him roll in and score at will, you know. But sometimes you feel like you have to do that in order to fit in. And then what are we doing?
0: That's a real challenge. And it's, um, and I think what you hit on there, I, uh, uh, I saw a quote from Nick Saban recently. He was he was talking and you know how much I love Coach Saban. He said something to the extent of the human condition is to just survive, right? Like it's really it's really hard to make the hard choices. Like the survive thing is like, oh, great. Yeah, we, we, we need George. Let's take it easy on him. Let's just kind of all get by. Let's get through. We need the money. But like the hard choice is to light him up, you know, and uh, <laughs> that goes back to kind of what you said earlier, too. He's got that great quote on discipline. Like there's this thing that I really want to do that I know I probably shouldn't do, which is that shortcut. Or there's this thing that I really don't want to do, but I know that I probably should do it. Or, Are you going to go do that thing that you don't want to do? Um, are you going to write the three pages, um, or are you going to take the shortcut? It's, it's hard, and I, I think you're right. I think it becomes uh, increasingly, it becomes more and more lonely um, today.
1: Bro, let me tell you, uh, I take the, I refuse to take the shortcut with uh, relationships, and that gets lonely. I refuse to take the shortcut with jobs, and that gets poverty. <laughs> <laughs> used to take the with friends and sometimes with friends it it's different because you can kind of come and go with some of them but but it's certainly like you know keeps your your friend circle intimate you know um when you, there's pros and cons to that but yeah i think you know taking the, the sh- taking the the long road uh like sisyphus over your shoulder there is uh is lonely who wants to push a boulder up all the you know uh, it, it's lonely Right. But, you, All right. but you also
0: <laughs> but you got to enjoy the process. And and I think you do enjoy the process. And uh, I, I certainly do, too. There's plenty of times in things that I'm working on where I go, why has nobody else seen it this way? Or why do I have to always go the extra mile? Why do I have to do more than is what is being asked of me? Um, but I don't know any other way to do it. And I wouldn't have it any other way. And I certainly can't go to bed at night going, I probably should like, that's just not gonna work. Like, that's just, there's no other choice. You just, you just gotta get in the mud. Well,
1: I'll throw one other thing on top of that. Cause I agree with all those, uh, uh, it gets not only lonely, but I think the real challenge is when you, when you go the extra mile and uh, you don't get any kind of recognition or validation for it. And then then you're like, well, remind me again why i'm doing this and i think it probably comes down to what you said i just don't know any other way but what's beautiful about it is you go the long road not for the reward you know yeah. you 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 put in the time you put in the effort and it's you, you might trick yourself in the you know for motivation in the in the temporary that that's the reason but we get rejected and turned down and heart's broken so much that you know by by the time you've had a couple decades on this planet, you're like, oh, it's really not about the end of the road. Like if, if you get some sort of sprinkle on top afterwards, great. Yeah. But that that's certainly not the motivation because we we'd quit the first time we had our hearts broken. You know, I think that's, that's something to really learn about yourself when you get crushed, when you get knocked down and you still do it again.
0: Yes. Right. And you get back up. And then I, but I, and I also think that to put a positive spin on this, I have found in my own life that I've become better at ensuring that I'm surrounding myself with people that are going the same way and have that same kind of attitude. Um, There's not, there's fewer people that want to do things that way. Um, But I, they do exist out there. Um, And when you can find that and you can work with those people and people get it. And they do the same thing. And then they're pushing you. And we've certainly had that experience as well. They're pushing you and you're pushing them. Like when you have that special thing, um, if we are a combination of the five people we spend the most time with, like really when you get to that place, then it's really good. And then those people that aren't giving you the praise, or don't see it that way. You just learn that um, maybe you aren't gonna give as much to them, right? You're gonna budget a little bit of that time energy that you you express and you just, the standard is different for that situation.
1: Yeah. They say, I feel like, uh, it's like a, some kind of a proverb or something, but uh, if you want to go, you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Um, and when you can find those, those, that group that, you know, um, that you can go together that are all like-minded and, and y'all push each other and stuff like that. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's like a great high, you know, it's, it's pretty un, unrivaled. What, uh, what teams and, and groups and togetherness can, can pull out. Because I think what happens is, we just talked about like going the, sh- the long road is very difficult and it ends up in a very lonely place, but it's not lonely if you, you know, you can you can mitigate that by doing it with like-minded people. And now it's just, now it's just all gravy. You know, everybody's fired up, ready to conquer. That's why I like, not to super fast forward here, but that's, most writers don't write with anybody. Else, most writers hide from other writers. They don't want to share their stuff. They they have too much conflict in the writers' room. I love a writers' room. I love working with two people, working with six people, working with eight people. I I, I love getting the most out of people in that environment, and mostly because that's my wheelhouse, and I can I just feel like a kid in a sandbox. Uh, and I I love collaborating. I love 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 collaborating because.
0: Yeah. And do you think, and I, I, I wonder, um, is that part of, because I think you're a teacher at heart. You've taught before. Um, do you think there's an element of like that aspect of like, you have different people and you're helping kind of work the room and work the board and um, that, that ability to connect. Is that what it is?
1: Absolutely. I'm very good about seeing um, people's talents and wanting to bring them to the surface rather than bury them. You know, I think it's, I think it's so silly. Uh, it's also a human thing. Like someone shines a little bit brighter than you. Uh, you know, it takes the spotlight off of you, and maybe you don't like that. And I, I can understand that. But let's get over that. We're not children, and we're trying to work together here. You know, so let's get past that and let's 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 test that shiny object out. Um, look, you you have plenty of things to shine yourself about. It's not that someone else is going to outshine you, but imagine if we put all those lights together. You know, now we get this huge, you know, bright light in the sky that can't be stopped. And it's just a bigger picture. Uh, I don't know that, you know, it's so split. Some people don't like me tinkering at all with them. They don't like me telling them what they're doing right and what they're doing wrong and what, you know, helping them out, you know, or teaching or educating them or saying, you're great at this. Did you know this and this and this and this? And we can, you know, um, and then some people love it. And then, uh, you know, they're banging on my door and I, you know, it's not like a service I charge for or anything, but I, a a lot of my work, I'd say almost like a quarter of my day on average is doing something pro bono for someone like
0: that. Right. Yeah. You can't help it. And I also think, like, the, the way you said people responded, and I this is a Pete Rose quote, and this is, like, the third time I've given a quote already, but um, <laughs> like there's, th- there's three ways to coach somebody, right? And I used to think this when I was managing, and I, I really believe this. There's three ways to coach somebody. You either pat them on the back. Some people need to be, get a pat on the back. You either kick them in the butt, right? So they, they need to kick in the pants. You need to get them going. Or you leave them alone. And like, and really when you think about it, it kind of is that simple. Everybody's got that. Maybe they have a little bit of some of those, but I mean, I'm certainly a person that's like, just leave me alone. Do not micromanage me. Um, sometimes I may need the pat on the back if I've done a good job that we talked about. Like if you're not seeing it, I might need it. And sometimes there's a, a strong chance that maybe I need kicking kick in the pants and get it going. But for the most part, just leave me alone. But I, I do think that everybody kind of falls into those categories. Um, and it kind of feels that way about your, your writers as well. That some people... Um, Want, want more of it?
1: I agree. I've I've uh, as you mentioned, I did teach. I taught kindergarten, which was a my which was a great start because like you know they say if you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. Yeah, if, if you can teach to- kindergarten, <laughs> <laughs> I promise you. Because uh, the any other adult situation, and they're those same kindergarten kids, just a little bit older. Um, but. Uh, Also like I've caught coach teams and, uh, you know, like literally teams and stuff like that. And then writer's rooms. And, and so I've been, you know, doing a lot of different, uh, platforms or elements, uh, places in my life where I was teaching and educating and sharing, you know, life lessons or whatever. But what you just said, pat them on the back, leave them alone or, uh, or, or kick them in the pants, the pants. Yeah. Right. Their ass a little bit. I, I kind of noticed that that's hundred percent true, but then in the group setting, I realized, Oh, well, okay. This kid's got to be treated that way. This kid's got to be treated that way. This kid's got to be treated that way. And then you just got to keep remembering, like, you know, within the, the little, like, um, uh, all your little chick, chicks running around, you know, you got to like keep track of them like a mama duck or something or mixing metaphors. But, um, you know, you gotta know which one is which and how to deal with them. And then I started realizing, oh no, I think actually everybody is a combination of all three and yeah. you just need to figure out when and how to treat them yeah. the way. And I think that if that if I do one thing right when it comes to teaching and sharing and being in the writer's room and what allows me to really connect with people is I, I would say I have a pretty good knowledge of when to kick you in the pants, when to pat you on the back and when to leave you the fuck alone. Yeah. Um, and, and I, it takes a, a while to, to learn that um, and you got to really pay attention obviously listen more when you talk and and read the room uh, but when you get there uh, it's a very valuable skill set it, it's not hard it's just you got you got to proactively remind yourself to do that and I think that helps in relationships too you know especially know when to you know be hard on No when to you validate them and then no one to leave them alone. Give them some space, you know. And everybody needs all three of those. So that's how I would say to Pete. I'd say it's, yeah. a, it's kind of all they're all in one, you know. Yeah. Well, well, Pete
0: signed an in Vegas, so you know he's, uh, <laughs> he's he's out of the coaching business. So I I think you're I think you're right. Um, I want to come back to writing, but I, I do want to uh, talk a little bit about your experience of being on Survivor. And just yeah. kind of share with folks. Um, uh, is Survivor even on anymore? I don't know. Is it still? Do they still do? So they no, have done? No, still
1: on. No, it's still on. No, it's still, they on. Can't, it's still on. They can't get rid of it. They can't, yeah, they can't get rid of keep it. Keep watching it.
0: And you were in season. Was you the fifth? What? Dude, it was
1: 19, early. No, ninth season. It was, it was
0: early, right? And so this is this is really like at the dawn of reality TV, Survivor all of it. And you're in there, you're on network television. Um, I guess kind of just tell folks like what the experience was like getting there. Um, uh, maybe English, cliff notes of the casting process and everything, but I think that would be interesting. And then you get to the Island and kind of just some of the crazy things that happened there.
1: Well, you know, it, it, it is reality television, um, but, but it, it's this odd Kind of like the mother or the father of all reality television. It was like the first time they were like, we're just gonna film some crazy stuff and bring cameras out there, and who knows yeah. gonna Um, since then we went like this uh real housewives and we did like cooking shows and stuff like that. But but survivor's always been the one that's like, okay, it's not so much television, it's it's a it, it's a lot of real stuff out there. Um, but the process of getting on the show is very much television. Because they're thinking about how much advertising that you know they're going to sell in the commercial bits, and what groups uh, would work together, and what optics or what uh, personalities or you know what, how it's all going to look. You don't know any of this. You like think that you're in the casting process and see if like they're going to recognize how you know tough you are or, or what kind of mental game you have. Or no, they're really picking like the most obscure personalities and trying to create the most dynamic television as possible right so in theory I have should not be on the show uh because I'm like more normal than you know than a, a tv personality that's going to give you all this like good stuff somewhere along the line they disagreed um <laughs> <laughs> uh I had a, a I had a woman inside the uh casting process that really believed in me and she kind of went to bat for me. And, and apparently they, they did that thing where they're in the boardroom and Burnett's there and, and, and Propes there. And they got all the pictures on the wall. And they're like, OK, we're done. That's the nine. That's the nine. Right. And nobody else. And this girl threw a big fit. And she said, you're missing this one guy. And he's, he's so great. He's going to be fantastic. And, you know, if you don't put him on the show, I'll, you know, basically walk. She said some kind of more uh, interesting, uh, salty things uh, yeah. in the middle of the boardroom. Um, I, well, I'll just say, you can edit it out there. <laughs> but he said, if this guy was in this room right now, I would do him on the table right in front of all of you. You need to put him on the show. <laughs> yeah, same <thank> for you, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and so they were like, wow, you really feel that that uh, strongly about it. All right, we'll, we'll fly him down. We'll bring him in as an alternate. That way, if anybody has a heart attack or gets scared when they show up to the island, you know, we don't lose money on the production. We just insert them. So uh, that's never going to happen because nobody's ever used an alternate in Survivor history. Uh, but I got there and she told me, like, look, we got this far, but this is the end of the rope. You got you to get over the hump. You got to make them put you on the show. You got to make them add you. Um, so it was three days of just, like, really trying to impress the people on location and let them know that I appreciate the, the, the flight to Samoa, but if you don't put me on the show, you're making a really big mistake. And uh, I kept this journal and uh, you're not allowed to talk to anybody because they don't want to give away accents or anything and start making friendships before the show. But they need three days to take pictures for TV Guide and all that stuff. So you're kind of stuck there living in tents and stuff like that. And uh, I just kept this journal and I was looking at everybody and just totally reading them and judging them. I'm like, this person looks like they got, you know, this much tan, must live in this city, probably does this, has three kids, you know. And I remember one time it was this girl and I was like, she looks like trouble. And I'm looking at her while I'm writing and doing this whole thing. And they're like, what is he writing? What is he writing? You know, like what's in the box. And I'm saying like, she absolutely looks like trouble. And I looked down and on the bottom of her leg, she has a tattoo that says cuidado, which is like caution, which essentially <laughs> is trouble. And I was trouble. like, nailed it. So got that, it. That book got, uh, Tossed around production, and it eventually made it to Probes and Burnett, and they were reading all this stuff, knowing that I had no idea who these people were, and some were way off, and some were spot on, and they're like, "All right, bring them in." Let's and so that journal actually got me on the show, and then once I got on the show. Uh, it was just a wrecking ball and it all happened so fast, man. And the, the game is so hard and it's so real. And then that's when it becomes real. That's when the television stuff goes away and you are starving and you are trying to boil water just to stay hydrated. And it's raining and raining and raining and raining and you're eating sand crabs and bugs. I, uh, you know, killed a, a, a gecko and rotisserie it and we all, like, shared a leg. Uh, I mean, we... we, It's hard. And it was, it was testing and, wow, does your body go through some things. And what your mind thinks you can do and what your body can actually do are worlds apart. You get a crash course on this and, you know, it's just sad that not everybody can do that uh, because... You, you can't learn it unless you, you you can't you can't even fathom the chasm that is the difference between what your mind thinks and what your body can endure because your mind's like trained to, to shut the body down long before it's going to expire you yeah. know because it doesn't want to be even close to that like no. you, you get out of bed the wrong way and your, your mind's like well we should take it easy today just in yeah. case you know but the body is very durable it, it's extremely durable not going back to our miracle thing we've evolved we're the highest level of human beings right Right. so so our body is 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 uh it's it's like the best machine it's like the the best mac laptop or something you know it's the best iphone out there it's like it's the best (laughs) so it can it it can survive a lot of things and uh you get a crash course uh, on the island like that i lost a pound a day over 20 days and then uh Unfortunately, when we made uh, the switch to the merge, I set the record for most uh, votes casted against me in the tribal council. <laughs> I'm kind of proud about that. <laughs> that's
0: that is your fun fact of the next dinner party, folks. Uh, most of um, Well, I want to hit just hit on something you said because I've talked about this before on this. I've talked about this from the endurance standpoint, the uh, central governor model. Um, and that's by Dr. Tim Noakes. And it's this belief that the brain is going to, what slows an an individual down when they're participating in an endurance event, what slows somebody down at the end of a marathon or the end of a triathlon or an ultra marathon, why you slow down is not because your muscles can't keep going. They can absolutely keep going. It's your brain that's telling your muscles, whoa, slow it down. I don't want you to hurt yourself. It's your brain telling you that. And we know that you can train your brain, your central governor, to allow you to go longer. Um, And so to me, it feels like you had literally, you lived the strongest case for the central governor ever and the ability to train the central governor and that it can go much further than what you would anybody would ever think
1: 100 it's it's so much uh perspective uh you know it, it's just the mind is triggered in in, in Infinite ways. I, I was going to say thousands or millions, but it's infinite ways, man. Um, you know, you you might be hungry, and your mind's going to tell you to stop. You know, yeah. you might be lonely. You know, you might be physically injured. You know, uh, it might be raining, right? And just right. dropping, drop, 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 drop on your forehead, and your mind's like, I can't take this anymore. Like, there's there's so many different ways. So I think the tricky thing about it is, okay, cool. I'm not going to worry about being hungry. I got that. I know that. After a certain amount of days, and this is exactly what happened, uh, it's going to start eating fat and then your body's going to start eating the fat. And then after the fat, it's going to go into muscle, but you know, that's going to be around day 20. So we're, we're out here for 30, 40 days. We're, we're going to survive and we're getting a little bit of nourishment and a little goes a long way out there. Um, we're drinking water every couple of days. Fantastic. You figured all that out. Right. And then some Girl on the island, or some uh, castmate, or someone breaks out a little like ukulele that they brought as their personal gift from home, and they're playing that damn ukulele, and it's making you crazy. <laughs> and you're like, I can't do this for one more minute. And, and you think to yourself, I wait, but I just conquered that. I just, yeah. I just told myself I'm hungry. I, I told my mind not to worry about being hungry, right? Yeah, because I'm gonna survive but you can't overcome the, the the noise that is that ukulele playing in the in the background and you start losing your mind and and so to i experienced it but boy is it tricky it's 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 really tricky to hold, hold on to
0: that is that is excellent that is excellent and it's a good reminder i want to have a question for you about this but the idea of hunger and that when we say somebody's like i'm hungry like i mean i get this a lot of times busy day running around you're like man, I am, I am hungry. I'm like, I can you I'm getting hangry. I need to eat something. Probably is you don't, um, you you're, you're fine. You're everybody, even if you were at 7% body fat, you've got enough fat on you to last you for a very long period of time. You can go for, you can go for weeks without eating anything. You're fine. Um, I think my question though, was like, from a hydration standpoint all of that, did you do any like research of like, okay, this is how I'm going to boil water. This is like, this is how much fluid I need to take in to, was there any, of that, because you were just so shotgunned into the thing and it was like, okay, you're on a flight to Samoa, great. Okay, how do I get on the show? Great, oh, now I'm on the show, I gotta figure it out.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, that's exactly what it was. Uh, the the They also bombard you like the day of with this uh, catalog and it's like 30 pages deep. And on page two, it's like, okay, if you're in the ocean, this are the, these are the fish that are poisonous. And it shows like a picture of a fish and a fish and you're looking at it and you're like, oh, gee, a couple spots, a little circles. Uh, I guess I'll try to remember that. And then you go to page two or page three and it's like a whole other list of fish, a whole other list of fish. I must've flipped through 13, 14, 15 pages of just different colored fish. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to be able to remember no. any of this. Very I'm either true. going to die or I'm not like, I'm either going to run into a problem or I'm not like, There was no way to prepare for this. You just kind of have to go for it. And then, you know, trust that they definitely had emergency medical staff nearby. So things got too crazy. The problem with that, though, is when someone goes downhill, it makes for good television. So now the TV aspect comes in. So they're like, oh, Eric, you look like you're suffering right now. And I'm like, I am miserable. like, this is great. More TV. Like, get more cameras. But if you're, you know, really in jeopardy, then... Uh, You know, you have the assurance or insurance that that there are medical staff, you know, uh, standing by. But I think that is another reason why it helps you to uh, endure or persevere, or push yourself a little bit harder because, you know, like, how bad could it get? So going back to your hungry thing, like, yeah, that's a that's a lie. That's your mind lying to you. Your mind is creating hunger pains in your stomach. And it's a lie <laughs> you're, you're being lied to and so I, that's that's how i sort of think about things like that because i get upset with my mind and i, I often say that like hey you work for me you work yeah. for me yeah okay you work for me pal yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and um, i i'm on to your tricks you know and i know that you don't need this and you don't need that and you don't need that and you're trying to you know confuse me when you had the emergency s- out there it made it easier for me to like climb rocks and try to find crabs and do all kinds of crazy stuff like that because i had that insurance but in Such- life but in life we have everything at a click away okay I know. so what are we ever worried about what like I, I was on the bike uh just before we we got here right i did about like 25 minutes whatever right and about 24 minutes I had this like thought, I was like, oh, man, I feel like I've been on this thing for two hours. I got to get off. I'm just done. And I'm thinking of, you know, and, and as your mind rolls, like, okay, well, what if I, what if I, what if I did five more? Was I going to, was I going to fall out of the bike and die of heat exhaustion? And even if I did, there's like neighbors and people around, someone's going to probably call, oh, but I have my cell phone right by me too. Right. And there's water in the house. Like every convenience is at my fingertips. And, yeah. and, but what did I do? I got off at 25 and I was like, oh yeah, I'll call it a day. <laughs>
0: well, yeah, <laughs> totally. I get that. I get that. But I think what you're saying is a really good point. Uh, I'm reading this book by Alex Hutchinson right now called Endure. Um, mm-hmm. And he tells the story of uh, Ernest Shackleton, who Antarctica was the first person to go like the furthest. And he didn't have the insurance back in, I don't know, his late 1800s, right? He's going out with his men and he had to turn it around because he was like, we're not going to make it back. If I do not turn it around right now, we're out of fuel. A guy goes out, can't think of his name right now, but maybe five, I don't know. It was five, six years ago, early 2014, something like that. He has insurance. He's got the phone that he can call a satellite phone, whatever. They know where he is. As a result, he ends up pushing it too far. He pushed his body too far because he thought he could, he ends up he, unfortunately ends up dying of whatever kind of complications because he had gone too far. Made the call, they got him to the hospital, but he had gone too far. He was able to push it too far. Um, I'm not sure what the moral of that is, other than just to say that when you have that insurance, you are able to push yourself further than you would have been able to, no doubt, if you were just on an island by yourself and there was nobody there, right?
1: Yeah, I think there's there's some sort of magic in that. If you were walking around with a with a with a crew you know, the whole time, um, you probably would be able to just feel comfortable. You'd be able to, what's, a, what's the terminology again? The mind over matters.
0: Uh, central governor, yeah.
1: Yeah, you'd, you'd be able to tap into the central governor a little bit better, I think, because you can rationalize with it more. Oh, um, yeah. yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> Fifty Shades of Grey, why do you think they have safe words? They're like, <laughs> yeah, right. Let's have fun, but let's not get crazy. But if we have a safe word and someone says yellow banana, then we know that we're operating in a place where we can kind of push ourselves mentally and physically, you know. Uh, The crazy thing is to me how it just parallels across all of life, you know, these these types of the endurance, right? The endurance factor. You don't have to, it's a great example, but you don't have to climb Everest to climb Everest, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah, you can climb Everest every day. Sometimes going a little longer on a bike is climbing Everest.
1: Exactly. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, I do want to ask, because this is one, of, I, I, I think now, just based off of my learning and uh, being in school and some of the things we've looked at, I, I find this story that you've told me previously about leaving Survivor and something that stayed with you since then. I don't know if this is still true, but you told me once that if somebody puts a plate of food in front of you, you will eat everything on the plate.
1: Yeah. Is that still true? Yeah yeah yeah
0: well well from a food waste standpoint it's excellent there's no waste. i I love that and it's great for the environment so that's really good
1: um yeah there's ways around it as far as like well i'll I'll reiterate it so uh uh, to better explain it yeah when i went out there 21 days and just no food i mean right food nothing food came after maybe winning a a, a reward challenge but that was sporadic and it kind of happened throughout Um, But especially at first, you know, you're nothing, you know, nothing. So when I got home from Survivor and I was down like 20, 25 pounds and uh, and, you know, I was seeing modern conveniences again and just not living in a pure jungle with no wallet, no phone, no, just a machete. You know I mean? Like that's its own thing. Didn't see a car for six weeks, you know, Um, then came back and saw more people, more cars, on the 405 at LAX (laughs) that I had in, you know, the entire summer. But, um, but when I started, when I I noticed like eating, like I, I, there's this weird, like almost compulsion to like, make sure you eat everything on the plate. Like as if part of my brain didn't rewire, like, Hey, you may not get food tomorrow. You may not get food, you know, for a week. You got to make sure you eat everything here while we have it, eat it. And it feels almost like, I don't know, it's, it's a guilt thing or it's a, it's a, a it's a, it's it's, it's strange thing that I haven't. And the thing I, is, I've, I've, i recognized it and I've art, articulated it. Yeah. I still can't like, I, it, uh, it rips me up inside if I like throw away like a couple bites of food. And it, not, it makes much- total sense to me. It makes total sense to me. I get it.
0: Like I would be the yeah. same way. It totally makes sense. Yeah. You don't I know it, like
1: if, if I'm not responsible with my portions, you know what I'm saying, then sure. I will, you know, I'll just never, you know, so I'll just, I'll, I'll always overeat to a certain degree, you know, like yeah. 1.3, 1.5 or something like that. And uh, of course, then you have to just, it's so funny. So if I do this and I'm not great with the meal proportion, right, maybe I'd make a lasagna or something. I don't know yeah. how much yeah. is well, a scoop. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. And, but whatever's on my plate's going down. Yeah. <laughs> so, instead of me like, you know, cutting it back on the plate, what I'll do the next day is just have to work 1.5 times harder. Well, wow. you know? <laughs> <Wow. laughs> <laughs> it's like a really difficult, like cycle. It's a very torturous cycle.
0: Yeah, but but what I think is so good about this is um, every everybody. I don't care who you are has some level of disordered eating right like that could be disordered eating would be like um i don't want my uh potato to touch my steak or wh- whatever it is Or everybody's got weird things right like i've got to drink something before i eat like everybody's got weird things to revolve around eating it's just eating special to everybody um, but what i think is really good about yours as a result of this that yes you may eat more but i think that the way you've trained your brain and from a survival mechanism you're really eating the way a hunter or gatherer would eat, right? So it's like, you don't walk around like, I'm like super prepared. Like, I don't go anywhere. I don't have some nuts or protein powder or something. Like, I'm never going to get caught without something if I'm hungry, right? Whereas you're like, yeah, I can go. I'm fine. Don't worry about it. And then then you're going to come home and you'll you'll eat enough and you'll be fine and you'll be satiated and then you'll go about it again the next day. So I (laughs) I really think from like an evolutionary standpoint, you're probably in a better place than I am.
1: Well, it's funny to say that because uh, I'll – I'll be on set or something, you know, and, and I'm like, okay, we're going to be here. This is going to be a 12 hour set. Uh, there's going to be a lot of uh, things going on, a lot of fires to put out and we're just going to get through it, you know, and I'm directing. So I'm like on camera, I'm on talent, I'm, you know, wardrobe, I'm making sure everybody's been paid. I'm doing a little bit of everything. Right. And um, you know, and I won't have, I won't have a bite to eat or, uh, or like a smoke break or anything, whatever. Right. And I look around and boy, it's 45 minutes, and I got my grips like, oh man, I need to go get a coffee, or oh, I got to go get a protein bar, or I got to go get a smoke a cigarette, or I got to go. And I'm like, What the hell is wrong with you guys? You can't dig deep for 12 hours? Come on. Nobody (laughs) eats. Nobody drinks. Nobody smokes on my set. (laughs) And that doesn't work. But to go back, circle back to what we talked about at the beginning, like those are all shortcuts to me. And, you know, you start seeing like a psycho when you don't do those things because that's the norm. But, boy, if I ever meet someone on set who's like, I'm good to go, man. You're not gonna see me sweat for you know 16 hours, and then like, yeah. uh, yeah. then I'm like, that's my soulmate. That's my creative like, like uh, uh soulmate. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I've realized like that's never gonna, that's not really gonna change. And you're never gonna like coach someone up in a day to tell them that they don't need a protein bar at 9:30, and that time would be better spent if we were working on this shot you know so what you got to do is just like sort of say all right well that's maybe a strength for me and we'll just we'll just milk that and uh, see how much i can use that just internally to contribute to this set knowing that sure other people if they weren't so worried about their body failing on them (laughs) that we could probably be a little bit more productive but you know what that's fine that is what it is and then you start to factor that into the day and how you're going to live your life and know that people are going to need breaks and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, you're not going to catch me hungry or needing a break until I'm com- the tape tank is completely empty. Uh, so good. but on the flip side, there's a plate. I've, I've eaten the entire nachos. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, I want to talk quickly about, um, because we're getting out of time, I want to talk quickly about, um, you just mentioned set and everything. So kind of tell folks, I said in the in your intro, but tell folks kind of um, about some of your, your movies that you've written, and then your, there's a book going on, I want to hear about that, maybe when we can expect that out, and then your directing and anything else that you're going on. It's like, you've got all of these different things in the writing world, and you kind of dip into all of them. So um, I'd just love to hear how, how you navigate all of them.
1: Uh, you just keep writing, you know? That's You just keep writing. And, uh, I you know, I had so much to say, and then I feel like I've gotten to a point where I've kind of, I've gotten a lot of the stories that I needed to say out, okay? Uh, and I actually was just talking with a friend last night and counting them on my fingers. And I think we've got seven scripts, uh, two books, seven scripts, two books, and then, you know, a series of like online video commercials and stuff that I do for a marketing company. Um, So the directing and the the shooting and stuff like that, that's, that's a different element of, of, creative, but I found that in going that route and doing these smaller projects for these companies that are wanting to like, you know, market themselves on Facebook and Instagram and making, you know, little 30 second to six minute commercials for them um, and being in the director's chair has helped me become a better writer because I'm able to understand what my words on paper translate onto set before I see it like on the big screen. Because if if the person that's gonna read your work doesn't know how to execute it or can't get it in their head, then it's, it's just gonna look like bad writing. It's going to, it's going to, the story's not going to affect them. They're not going to get connected with it because they're not going to see it from your, your perspective. So um, same thing with editing. And that's been the other new skill set that I've picked up is becoming a legit editor uh, because you know what else directors kind of do? They kind of have to edit the film a little bit, um, you know, when they're working with an editor. And uh, I used to think that writer, director, editor, or producer was just this really, bombastic, like egotistical, arrogant, like that's the worst of all people. And it's like, no, I totally understand why they do do it all. Because the better director you are, the better writer you are, the better editor you are, the better writer you are, the better, you know, uh, producer you are, the better writer you are, the better person you are, the better writer you are. (laughs) Like everything goes back to that. And uh, my goal is just always continue to get better. And I could not have picked a more perfect career. uh, If in fact, you're someone who, gets off on getting better, because writing is the most loathsome, miserable, up and down, werewolf on your back, like masochistic, heartbreaking, soul-sucking, miserable, miserable, miserable uh, uh, experience that there is. And uh, it's only when you go through all that muck and come out on the other side, do you feel like, oh, like, something special
0: yeah I, well um i can barely talk about that and i've only started to just write as i've been working on my thesis and like submitting for research papers is a whole other side of writing but i do know that there are times when i'm like this is this is terrible this is just just really really <laughs> bad um and you go i don't know how i'm gonna do it i don't know how i'm gonna do it and the one thing and i you've always done this since i've known you um and it's the one thing i found helpful for me is holding times that I'm gonna do it and uh, having a group that I know is gonna meet and that I have uh, putting deadlines in to send something to somebody for feedback, but just making yourself do it, right? And I think it's the same thing of exercise. I think it's the same thing about trying to climb that mountain. Like you just gotta keep showing up. You just gotta keep doing it. You're gonna have bad days, you're gonna have good days, but you just gotta keep doing it. Is that right? Is I mean,
1: 100%, you know, I mean, you just gotta, and you gotta keep showing up. I, You gotta have thick skin. You can't, you just gotta be tough because you're gonna beat yourself up tremendously and your work's gonna be terrible. It just is. I mean, you can't get good unless it's terrible to begin with. Like it, right. it's one of those things where it doesn't start good. It's it, it's always terrible. It's always terrible. And I, I think people often have a hard time being bad at something. It's okay to be bad. You know what I mean? It's really the only way you, you get better. That That sounds a little cliche, but it's extremely important if you if you can get comfortable with sucking if you can be comfortable with not being good at something you can become a great writer uh, because that's all it really takes is just to keep doing it and and i think the more success you have or and again that's all relative but let's just say you finish something that is reads well and and you know it's good and it's its 15th draft and you're like Sigh. you know that little exhale, can be enough to give you the confidence in the next piece to continue to keep writing. And then, you know, at some point, and you know, Malcolm Gladwell says it's 10,000 hours. For me, it's a million words. At some point you've written a million words. And uh, when you've written a million words, or sorry, pages. um, When you've written, uh, well, maybe it's words, I don't know. Probably words, (laughs) words, pages, whatever. when you get to a, a, a level where your pages or your words are in the millions, uh, you're just sort of like, uh, okay, well, I mean, I, I got this. I, I know the process. I know it sucks, and then it gets better, and then it yeah. gets rejected, and then I rewrite it, and then it gets even better, and then you know that's just what it is. But yeah, you got to keep, you got to keep, you got to keep showing up.
0: Well, that takes us to, um, we we gotta go to rapid fire. I wanna dig into that more, but we gotta gotta go to rapid fire. So I'm just gonna, the way this works is I'm just gonna throw some questions at you. Don't overthink it. Just give me first thing that comes to you. So I'm just gonna rapid fire you. You Ready to do this? Yeah. All right. Um, We already hit on this, but uh, your final meal, the final meal that you're gonna eat, you are, they say, this is it, this is your final meal. What are you ordering? What are you having?
1: I'm getting a, a chicken fried steak uh at a at an old greasy diner with a b on the window
0: (laughs) yes with a b on the window
1: um what's
0: the best purchase you've made in the last three months for under ten dollars
1: man under ten bucks Hmm. rapid fire huh
0: (laughs) (laughs) could be a cerveza across the street
1: yeah, uh, yeah, I'm blanking on that one. I think. Uh, oh, I know what I got. I got a. I got a. Um, a lamp from a hardware store, and I uh, put it out on my porch at night. And it's I. I don't know what it is about, you know, just a flame, but like a legit flame, not so much a candle, but like a like a like a lamp. <laughs> it looks like it's from like 1950 or something. And it's got kerosene, and it was like nice. eight nine, yeah. That's that's, ah, that's excellent. I also I also got picked up a driver, uh a um, I think it's a cobra too, uh a nice driver at uh, a Goodwill store. I was shopping for a couple of t-shirts and I looked over and I saw this driver, $599, the driver. And uh took it out with a you know, a buddy two weeks ago, and we're we're putting that thing about $280, $285.
0: Now that's a win. Both of those are excellent purchases for under $10, both of those. <laughs> and despite what Bryce DeChambeau may say about Cobra and his driver, <laughs> um, that is, uh, that's a good deal.
1: All right. um, Goodwill what is, t-shirts, Goodwill stores. Goodwill. This,
0: this episode is sponsored by Goodwill. What's one thing you do every single day that elevates you?
1: elevates me yeah
0: makes you the best version of you mm. rapid fire
1: yeah i mean it for me it, it would just be right
0: writing that was one of
1: those, that's I what already, seems like a simple answer but it's it's you just you know the, the the feel of your fingertips just going down on the letters and um you know creating exploring uh working stuff out in your head certainly elevates you
0: favorite quote favorite
1: quote did you have a favorite quote <laughs> uh, yeah a million um, I'm really good at the rapid fire stuff dude <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> you're doing great, Give us a I, great
1: like, uh, yeah. I like I I know you like this quote but I, I, I'm afraid that I'm saying this because I'm seeing you and I'm and it's coming to my mind but you know, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. Yeah. Mike Tyson. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <Great> <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. Uh, and that's uh, everything we've talked about so far about adversity and surviving. So that's uh, very appropriate. Um, you mentioned being on the bike earlier. Um, I'm a big believer in music, uh, enhancing athletic performance. Do you have a go-to workout song or something you're listening to right now that you like fire that puppy up and it's like it is game on let's go bring it on take me to the pain cave do you have anything
1: yeah you know uh so uh i have two completely different soundtracks uh one is um anything like Hans zimmer radio and that's when i'm writing i feel like i put that on and you get some uh, a nice medley and mixes of uh of different composers and uh for me, I'm in this cinematic dream world, and I can write for hours and just get totally lost in it, and it's ex- extremely empowering. Um, haven't really tried to use that when working out. When I work out, the algorithm uh, sent me <laughs> a great station, and it's called Porn Star Dancing Radio, and uh, that's a good workout mix. <laughs> it really fires me up. <laughs> I, I feel guess. Like you're- a lot, of, a lot of guns
0: and roses, some a lot of poison, rose, yeah. a lot of, like yeah. poison, uh, yeah, a lot of 80s hair.
1: I yeah, see that. Early, early 2000s, late 90s, too. It's just like a really uh, aggressive uh, uh, get out there and kick some ass and yeah, uh, rock out. You're stranded
0: on a desert island. Wow. Your advice for someone if they were stranded on a desert island, which one item they should have with them? If they could just have one item, you're like, this is the thing, the one thing that you're going to need.
1: Like uh, for pleasure or for survival?
0: For survival. Like- yeah,
1: it's it's a it's a machete, um, and and that machete is uh, going to be so valuable uh, as far as like being able to build shelter, clang uh, against rocks or you know, uh, um, I forget what flint or whatever to make a fire and stuff like that kill fish or hunt or whatever and be able to like feed yourself things like that but um the advice i give is you can do it you can do it you're gonna be okay you're gonna get through this and you're gonna be all right you were built for this you know you're a miracle
0: (laughs) right you're built for this um final one here um I've talked about this movie before on the show maybe you can help explain my love of it why is for love of the game one of the greatest movies of all time Wow,
1: what a what a question. It's 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 just uh man versus you know everything, you know, it's it's just like a nutshell of, like the human condition, you know, like um overcoming obstacles, like, you know, it's really it's really like a man versus time thing, you know, when you got Billy Chapel on the mound for the last time and he knows it, and he's just flashing through his entire mind. And really, it's probably the first game he's ever played where baseball's not what he's thinking about at all. And uh, in fact, it doesn't really cross his mind until he's about to do the impossible. And then he starts to, he starts to lose it a little bit, which I, I mean, there's a whole other moral in that story. But, uh, you know, aside from those, those are the, the softballs, but the best part about, for love of the game, is the, the, the way the team rallies around him and the way is the relationship with his catcher. And Gus comes out there and he says, Hey, Chad, you don't have to worry about a thing. We're going to be great for you today. (laughs) And that's just like, well, if you got to, you know, there's just, life's a long, uh, you know, lonely at times, solo at times journey. And um, we're all in it sort of for ourselves at a certain level, but, but there are times when we rally together and there are times when someone goes to bat for you and someone doesn't go to bat for you often. So when they do, when they truly go to bat for you, you never forget it, you know. It. Uh, we're gonna
0: we're gonna stop it right there because I feel like that was the perfect place to bring the whole thing full circle, of being uh, being able to survive, being all on your own, and then when you have that writers room and you have those people and you bring people together and you got a team of Eric Cardona's um, special things can happen. Um, and uh, thank you so much for doing this. I, I really really appreciate it. Um, we we I could talk all day. Um, thank you so much.
1: Excellent. Rob, uh, that was a great half hour or whatever that was. Uh, Much better than the 25 minutes on the bike. (laughs) Well, how much fun was that? I mean, really, Eric and I, we we talked
0: for almost an hour and a half. So thank you for staying with us. Um, We're going to have to have Eric back. We didn't get into his writing. We didn't talk about process. Um, I really would have loved to have gotten to that. So hopefully we'll get him back to do that. Uh, Love the story about George uh, Foreman Jr. knocking him out. Wasn't that fun? Um, and, you know, on a really uh, kind of a, a deep uh, guttural level, that lonely at the top. I'm, I'm sure a lot of you can relate to that where you're really going above and beyond and kind of look around and go, where's everybody at? Why aren't you doing what I'm doing? And I hope the next time that that happens to you, you, you think about this conversation, know that there are others like you out there that are doing the work um, and that you trust in the process and that you keep climbing the mountain. So I'll leave you with this as we talked about an endurance Dr. Samuel Marcora says, the struggle to continue against a mounting desire to stop. That is the definition of endurance. So keep fighting on, friends. As I mentioned, I am proud to work for Elevation Corporate Health. We've been in business for over 26 years, creating customizable solutions for your fitness and wellness needs. That's right, folks. 26 years. Do you know only 25% of businesses make it 15 years or more? It's just one of the many reasons why you can trust Elevation Corporate Health because we've seen it all. And whatever your needs might be, we've got you covered from fitness management and online training to on-site classes, integrated technology. We help small and large groups alike get healthy and stay engaged. I encourage you to learn more about us at elevationcorporatehealth.com and to follow us on social media at Elevation Corporate Health. And if you're an elevation member, at elevation members.